and it's a wee bit like he summed it, he summed it up himself. This is the best Springsteen quote ever, and it's when he was inducting you two into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And he was talking to you two about their pop tour, which was very extravagant and full of ironically looking at themselves in the world. And he said, forget about the irony, boys. He said, you're about the heart and the earth and the stations of the cross. And that makes me emotional even now. Uh, you know, the heart and the earth and the stations of the cross. And he, he was describing you two, but he was describing himself because that's what he is. He's about the heart and the earth and the stations of the cross. Everyone and welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host Jesse Jackson, and uh, joining me today is my new friend uh, from uh, the UK, Glasgow. It's his afternoon, my morning. Welcome to the show, Scott. Jesse, you're a good man. Thank you. It's been a pleasure to make your friendship this last few weeks, and thanks for having me on. Oh, I'm so excited. Uh, yeah, tell us a little about yourself. Uh, well, I'm a, a Bruce Springsteen fan, U2, U2 fan as well from Scotland, in a band called December. have been for many, many years. Uh, I, my day job is in the legal profession. Uh, so the band, although it was, we've been through various phases and had record deals and things like that, things like that, but the band is now a kind of serious hobby more than anything else. And... Uh, uh, yeah, so I, I stay in central Scotland. Uh, my bandmates are uh, Paul and Ailes, who is our singer. Uh, we are pretty busy all of the time. We're recording on a monthly basis. And obviously, the last few years have been quiet on the gig front with COVID and everything. So we're keen to be to be back out soon. But yeah, just a, a Springsteen fan from over here. Just outside, we live, live outside, just outside Glasgow in Scotland. Uh, yeah, so pretty central. Uh, yeah. 
Well, good to know. Uh, we are going to get specifically in a few minutes um, the reason why uh, I asked you to join me, uh, though I am thrilled to have you on. I'm always loved to have uh, Springsteen fans on from across the, you know, this wonderful world of ours. Um, but I always like to start at the beginning. So tell us, growing up, Scott, what kind of music did your family listen to? Were they musical? My, my folks weren't musical themselves, but my my childhood was hugely, I mean, the, the noise of my childhood was Neil Diamond. Ah, okay. And, and uh, I, my, my dad, my dad, Sam, uh, picking my brother and I up from Boys Brigade. I don't know if you had, do you have Boys Brigade over in America? I think you I probably do. I don't yeah. think so. Is it like the Boy Scouts or is it? It's kind of, yeah, okay. it's, kind of, it's kind of like the Scouts. Okay. But my, my, my first memories of music are, are Neil Diamond being played in the car on the way home from Boys Brigade uh, and on records in the house. And uh, and also also ABBA. ABBA was a huge a huge thing for us way back then. This is this is kind of the mid seventies, getting to the late the later seventies for me, uh, and you know Neil Diamond still holds up for me. Uh, I mean, he went through a very not cool phase in the eighties and nineties and whatnot, but uh, when you listen to the guy's songwriting and just the melancholy in his voice, it's, it's incredible stuff. Uh, it was probably a bit too mainstream for for the Springsteen fans in the seventies and eighties, you know, because Bruce has always been slightly outside the slightly outside the kind of the, the mainstream just you know being brilliant uh but yeah so it was Neil Diamond uh ABBA and then when when I was 14 15 uh it became U2 for the they, they were the first band that kind of blew my mind and you know changed my life quickly followed by Bruce Springsteen I, I honestly can't now remember whether I got to Springsteen via U2 or not I wouldn't be surprised because they were you know <laughs> They were in contact with him pretty early on. You can see photos of them at the marquee with Bruce and Pete Townsend and guys like that and their first kind of couple of tours. So it may have been that through U2 I got to Springsteen. I honestly can't remember. But I do remember by the time 1984, 85 comes around, Springsteen is a major figure in my life. So I got from Neil Diamond in around 1975 when I was quite a wee boy to Springsteen and U2 in my mid-teens and those are the those guys are my heroes and always will be you know not just for the music but for the kind of people they are and uh, <clears throat> like like you and like, like Mary I, I, when you get to a certain age you don't have too many heroes left or people that you would really follow in life you just don't they kind of fall away and you realize that they've all got feet of clay but there's something about Springsteen that even and it's partly because he's been so open about stuff, and probably largely because of that, you can still follow him, you know, even at this age and this stage, and with all the kind of stuff you've acquired. Sorry, yes, yeah, that's a very long answer to a show. No, question. that's a that's a great answer. I love it. Um, I I grew up. Um, I graduated high school in 1977, so I had that, you know that top 40 era where, you know, Neil Diamond was on the radio. I, I certainly can remember, you know, buying Neil Diamond uh, cassettes and, and CDs. Um, I know that we loved, I, I, it wasn't a very good movie, the remake of The Jazz Singer, right? But it, I remember that soundtrack 
Coming Ooh. to America and, and the other songs on there. Uh, I've, yeah, big Neil Diamond fan, too. I, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, and there is there seems to be a connection between you 2 and Springsteen, uh, similar to Springsteen and Pearl Jam, right? They're, they're this, this mutual admiration of each other that mm. they, they seem to just really um, inspire each other. And so I think I could see how as a young person that would connect to you. Uh, can you articulate, and you've done that a little bit, Scott, but what about their music spoke to you? Why, and, and you've talked about that they are still, they haven't had feet of clay, which I love that you know phrase, but what about their music spoke to you? Yeah, I can I can have a go articulating it. Uh, I think it's it's a few things. It's the it's the honest, it's great music. I mean, the music's just just blows your head off, you know. Sure. Yeah, it's 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 it's, it's vibrant. It's it's just full of heart and passion. So that that gets you first of all, you know. There's the it's honest honesty from the ground up. No 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 kid on as we say. Uh, in the lyrics and and it's probably for me at that stage of my life it was probably that they're all seeking something you know they're, they're seeking something and they're seeking something that isn't material you know these guys weren't about I mean I'm, I'm sure they love having the big houses and the cars and the you know villas in the south of France but that's that, that is not their motivation I, I believe it is not their motivation their motivation is to connect and was to connect with something beyond themselves you know with, with for me it's the divine in the universe you know however you describe that you know every faith and none and all of that but their their, their, their music is trying to they're, they're both trying to articulate and connect with something that's beyond themselves and at the same time just say what's on their mind and heart and that that spoke to me you know and, and we we sometimes put it like this that the 80s were fully Duran Duran, great band, love them. I can, I can get it and all that, but making videos and singing songs about Rio and dancing in the sand at the same time that Springsteen, well, he's just, he's, you know, he's, he's, he's bringing out Nebraska at that point. Do you know? Yeah. It's, and it's a wee bit like he summed, up, he summed it up himself. This is the best Springsteen quote ever. And it's when he was inducting you two into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And he was talking to you two about their pop tour, which was very extravagant and full of ironically looking at themselves in the world. And he said, forget about the irony, boys. He said, you're about the heart and the earth and the stations of the cross. And that makes me emotional even now. Uh, you're of the heart and the earth and the stations of the cross. And he, could, he was describing you two, but he was describing himself because that's what he is. He's about the heart and the earth and the stations of the cross. That's why uh, I love them. Yeah, you know, I've had a couple of people on. Actually, you know, I'm up to over yeah, 700 episodes, or you know, and oh. yeah, yeah, I've talked to a lot of fans, and <laughs> you know, a couple of people said something similar, Scott. The idea that um, Bruce is singing about something, uh, and you know, I I grew up. You know, I was a huge Beach Boys fans and I love all the songs about <clears throat> sun and surf and, you know, and, and, you know, as Paul McCartney says, just a silly love song. There's there's a lot to be f 
done for that as well. But it does seem that Bruce always wants to say something in his music. And I think that uh, YouTube as well want to say something with their music. They are trying to, and I don't want to get overly, you know, sentimental, but it, it, it feels like their music is trying to make the, to make your life a little bit better, you know, by, by sharing of themselves. Yeah, I think you've put it very well, Jesse. Uh, I think at various stages, you two in particular were a bit more grandiose than that. They genuinely thought they were changing the world in the 80s. Yeah. But I mean, why not? I mean, they were in their 20s, big dreams, lots of energy, huge talent. You know, why, why not take it all on? And yeah, no, I mean, I feel lucky to have been alive at the time that, that these artists have been creating, you know, the same way that folk felt you know good to be alive when the Beatles were doing their sure. eight, nine, eight nine year thing and we've, we've lived through and you know these guys they have uh, they've had long careers you know yeah. and they've run them you know I mean if, if Springsteen if Springsteen had finished after Born to Run you know he, he would be he would be unassailable no one could say a word about him I mean they can't really now actually Springsteen's right. kind of unique you know but uh, it doesn't the longer you go, you know, the more chance that people have to throw bricks at you and, you know, have some reason to do that because maybe your later work isn't as good as your early work and all of that, uh, you know. But we're lucky to have had them for as long as we have, you know. And I love, I love that thing that Bruce says, that he'd work as, he's work as a conversation with his audience that, that yeah. you know, it's only, it's only going to finish when someone leaves the room. Yeah, and, and I... Like, I love the fact, and I've told this story multiple times on the podcast, but I had a guy join me, and uh, he said that he was at a reunion tour, like in 99, and he was in the pit, and he was overwhelmed with emotion that mm. this is the best it's going to be. That, yeah. you know, the Bruce's, Bruce has gotten the band back together. They have given us this wonderful tour. And, you know, we as a Springsteen fan, he said, this is the apex. It will never get better than this. Um, and he said, maybe every once in a while they'll tour. But, you know, God, you know, as he said, damn, that was a good run. And he says, <laughs> I want to go back to that kid and go, you don't know what you, you're just at halftime. You know, you don't <laughs> understand what you've yeah. got to come. You have the rising, you have magic, you have Broadway. I mean, just, and to say nothing of letter to you. Uh, I mean, how do you at the, this point in your career in the, you know, I, I always believe you have to judge albums in, in their context. And I've said multiple times that because we were coming at the end of such a horrible year, politically mm. here in the U.S. with COVID, with all the stuff going on, to have Letter to You as a gift at the end of 2020, you know, almost was like this lighting a candle in the darkness. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah ab ab absolutely. I'll never forget yeah. that. You know, in particular, watching the videos of 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 the making of the album and uh, hearing hearing ghosts for the first time, watching that video, I mean, it's break, it's heartbreaking stuff. Uh, but it's like all the old. I mean, Bruce is just he's melancholy but full of joy at the same time. 
I just don't know how how you do that. <laughs> Scott, that, the reason I was I, that was exactly what I was going to say. I don't know. I don't know how he does that. How can you yeah. be joyful and melancholy at the same time? But he is. I think he just is. I think that's yes. just his way of being, and it comes out in every song. I mean, my daughter and I. This is two thousand and thirteen. I think twelve, thirteen. We're standing, or we're we were in seats actually in Hamden Stadium. Uh, but we had great seats right across from the stage, and it was a it was a summer night. You don't get many bright summer nights in Scotland, but this was perfect. And he's he's singing "Twist and Shout," and it's sad and full of joy. It's incredible. <laughs> and we both said the same thing after it. This is just, and that was that was hands down the best show we've ever seen of anyone ever. And all the U two people who. Our little band would, you know, they would be going, well, what about you? Oh, your U2 things and all that. But honestly, Springsteen Hamden that night was just perfection. And uh, yeah, melancholy and full of joy. Amazing. It is. Um, I always like to preface this question, Scott, with the amount of times you've seen Bruce is not a fair barometer of how big of a fan you are because yeah. it could be because where you're located, financial situations. But uh, you mentioned that being one of your favorite shows ever. How many times have you seen him? It's only like six times. I mean, okay. it, it, it dwarfs in comparison to seeing you two. But I think yeah. you, you two have just been more, they've toured more in the UK. And, yeah. and at least when I was growing up, uh, in the 90s, they were more around Europe than I than I was. Uh, mm-hmm. So I've basically seen them in the UK and in Ireland. Uh, I think uh, I think part of it was financial at various at various points. Uh, what I wish I'd been able to do is, you know, follow a tour or follow a European tour at some point, you know, and just do what just do what the fans do and just go to as many as possible. Uh, you and me both, my friend. Yeah. You and me both, yeah. It's not the easiest thing. No. We're more plugged, we're, we're more plugged into the U2 fan community okay. than we are the Springsteen fan world. But it's the same kind of dynamic. You have a you have a hardcore of a couple of thousands, you know, in the world who will, you know, take out loans and all that, and or just have the money and will go everywhere, you know. And some of our some of our, our dear friends do that. We would we just wouldn't you know your family and you know all the things yeah, that you, sure. we couldn't really invest in that kind of thing but we've seen a little of that community because the band their little band has been invited to go and you know do kind of pre-shows that the night before you two are playing in a city sometimes they'll ask us to go and play a set you just as a fan gathering kind of thing so oh how fun yeah it's been a great blessing but we've seen a little bit of that touring community of the fans the U2 fans through that and I know it's the same in the Bruce world and probably a bit more intense, you know, in, in terms of hardcore fandom from what I've read online and seen online. So, yeah, there's a real dynamic of that. We've never really been able to to do that. would love to have had, but uh, I think the first time I saw Bruce was 2000 and I want to say, I want to say six, but it was in Ireland in the, the RDS arena, I think. I, mean, I can look it up. Uh, and yeah, it was amazing. And then ever since, it's really been Hamden, Hamden Stadium uh, since then. But yeah, but and as I say, and amongst that, the best show and the best show I've ever seen. And I never really thought I would say that a stadium show of anyone was the best show that I'd ever seen. But as his his was. 
just because of that unique unique mixture of uh, sadness and joy that pain me as a brother. Uh, and to be there with my, my daughter at, at an age when she was an age that she was really into Bruce as well. And she's a huge, a huge fan. Yeah, that's that's great. You know that. Uh, so, Scott, talk to me. Tell me the origins of the band. Uh, so it, it talk about the beginning of December and what brought you all together. And just give me your give me, your, I guess, your origin story. Yeah, no problem. Well, it goes back to around 1992. We've been doing this a long time, uh, and uh, it was a different a different lineup at that point. But a few of us got together uh, in Motherwell, Hamilton, in Scotland, small towns just outside of Glasgow. Uh, we knew we knew other bands who were cover bands and things like that, but we weren't interested in that. We wanted to find a way of writing songs, and I, in particular, wanted to find a way of writing, writing and performing original material. So, okay. Uh, at that point, I was in a relationship with a girl called Aileen, as she was then. She now calls herself Ailes. She's the lead singer in the band, and uh, she was a great singer uh, even then. So she was a singer, and uh, a couple of my friends joined on guitars and uh, drums and. We played a lot through the, the 90s all over the, the UK and uh, we were very influenced by Springsteen, by U2, by in particular uh, uh, a singer in a band called Maria McKee and Lone Justice uh, who came out of LA but were heavily country influenced, kind of country punk stuff at that time. So we had a huge type of influence that kind of brought all these various things into the mix. Uh, the lineup changed a couple of times over the years, but now, now it's pretty much uh, myself, uh, my friend Paul on guitar, and uh, I play guitar, bass, a uh, little bit of drums, and uh, Alien on, on, on vocals. So live, we're quite a small setup. Uh, mm. It's uh, two guitars, bass, drum, and Ailes plays a bit of drums from uh, at the mic. So it's quite, a, it's quite a punk kind of sound live, full of energy. And in the studio, it's uh, we just bring people in. Uh, we had to trim down the live thing because we were getting asked to do all this stuff uh, abroad and it just wasn't economical to, right. to do it. Uh, first thing we were asked to do that was really quite significant and justified travel was, it was only over in Dublin, but it was a big deal. And the lineup that we had at that time just couldn't, they all had young families and couldn't go. So we trimmed it down to a three-piece that works live for us and makes it economical to, to do all the travelling that we need to do because most of most of our live stuff is is out with the UK, mm-hmm. uh, which is, is both good but also a challenge in terms of being cost-effective. But, yeah, we, we, we signed a couple of record deals around 2004, 2006, 2007, and uh, sadly ended up you know going back to mainstream work, owing quite a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So we've been through the music industry at its, uh, its kind of hard face as well. Uh, so we came back after 2007, uh, regrouped for about a year or two, uh, and then just decided to continue recording, continue playing where we could, uh, and uh, not to worry too much about you know what success traditionally meant. Uh, and that 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 coincided really with with the internet becoming, you sure. know. The, the bigger means of distributing your music, which for us has been good because we've reached an audience all over the world uh, with covers and with original stuff. So it's been a real, it's been a real blessing. Yeah. Um, 
I, I, I've, I've, Ken Rosen, you know, uh, one of the best Springsteen, you know, bloggers out there had covered, had posted about your No Surrender um, cover and talking about, so talk to me a little bit about why that song and what, how you're trying to raise awareness uh, for fundraising. Let's, let's, let's do a little business, Scott. Let's try to raise a little bit of money. Yeah, let's, let's, let's do that. Well, we've always loved the song. Uh, we used to, we used to cover it. Uh, we, we only ever covered two songs in our, in our careers, if you like, before five, six years ago when covering became a bigger thing for us. But, and one of them was No Surrender. The other one was a song by the Jesus and Mary chain, a song called Head On. So we, we, we loved the song. Uh, we in particular loved the way that Bruce reinvents the song, you know, between yeah. the acoustic and the, and the full band. So always loved it. Uh, over the last few years, we, we've been in a seam of work where we began to cover the artists that we really like. So we began to cover U2 and Springsteen and also a band called The Alarm, who were kind of very defining for us in the 80s. Uh, and we do a thing where people who support us they can sponsor a song if they want. So what they do is they pay, they pay, it was £150 uh, at the time, and that covers the studio costs. The band doesn't get any money out of it, but we don't have to pay any money, so it kind of makes it cost-effective. Yes. And the person gets a whole lot of special things, you know, by that investment, including studio access and the only CD will ever exist on the song and things like that. So uh, after originally covering mainly U2, we thought, well, do we dare to cover Springsteen and because it's all, it's all kind of holy ground, isn't it? And we thought, well, okay, why not? Someone wanted to sponsor it. Uh, that was the only Springsteen song we put into the mix at that point as a possibility. Uh, and uh, it was funny because it was due to be, it was due to go out last October, uh, October, November. But then we, I can't even remember, I think someone was ill and, or we had a schedule problem with another song we were putting out. But anyway, it got put back and then it it was again it was to do with availability and you know other commitments that we had and I suddenly realized that we're going to end up putting this out and this is this is right in the middle of the Ukraine thing yeah uh, and it's a song called No Surrender and so what do you do with that do you just not mention it or just and I thought we can't not try and make some kind of difference here uh, and I'm always wary of charity songs and putting stuff out and you know on that basis because you know you don't want people to think you've got mixed motives or anything like right. that but equally you weigh it up or we weighed it up and we thought well, we can't not say anything uh so we thought we'll put it out low-key we won't make it a charity song in the sense that all oh, the proceeds go to but if you want to if you like the song and you want to donate then, then please donate and at the same time, I was looking around various charities that were, you know, quick off the mark to help Ukraine. And I saw a link that the band Walk the Moon had put out and they put out to World Central Kitchen. Uh, so I looked them up and these guys are right on the border. You know, they're right on the border helping re displaced refugees. You know, you know, they're, they're feeding them. I mean, how much more practical and helpful can you be? You know, right in the heart of the thing. So... We wanted to to say to say something about that and to say, listen, guys, if you can help, then help. There's a lot of pressure yeah. on everyone, sure, and everything's relative and all that. But 
here's a group uh, of, of people who are in the, the front line of it, helping people at the, you know, the, in the, the most vulnerable of circumstances. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, that was, that was why we did it. So if there's been different, people have been donating and it's been, it's been good and the band's going to donate and put something into it. And uh, yeah, it felt like the right thing at the right time. I didn't want to pull the song and not release it just because of all of this and because of the connotations with the title and all that. Uh, it felt like the right thing to put it out and to, to try and say something at the same time and do something worthwhile. So World, World, World Central Kitchen is a link. Uh, they're just, I think they're just at WCK on Twitter. I think it's quite, quite simple to get to them. Yeah, I will include a link to not only your website, but to the to the donation website. Um, and I also I, I do want to say that it I had not thought of this till a few minutes ago. Your cover of No Surrender is that mix of joy and melancholy. I mean, there is this it, it is a unique take on the song. Um, it's a beautiful version, but it does have a little undercurrent of sadness and, and, but it isn't a depressing sadness. So I, I just, as you talked about Bruce, having that mix, you guys, I think hit it really well on your cover. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. That's a, that's a great compliment because yeah. that's, 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 that's probably the only thing we're trying to do uh, is to, to try and uh, recreate or be influenced by the, the the people that really matter to us, and yeah, that's always going to be the you know Bruce Springsteen and and you two for us, and no one yeah. really will ever match them. And yeah, thank you, Jesse. I appreciate that. So sorry, when you go. No, no, no. Who uh, who does most of the writing for the band? Uh, I, I write the original stuff pretty much. Uh, okay. Ailes are singer has contributed at various points to certain songs over the years, but the they, they tend to let me go on with it now, which is okay. great. Uh, so, yeah, it tends to be, you know, the story of my life kind of thing. So... Uh, in terms of originals. Yeah, so Scott, one of my other obsessions, um, I joke about that, you know, I'm obsessed with Doctor Who and Bruce Springsteen, but another one is uh, West Wing and Sports Night and anything written by Aaron Sorkin. Wow. So how in the world have <laughs> you written a song named Aaron Sorkin? You, you please tell me this story. Well, you have, you have done your research, my friend. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's very impressive. Uh, yeah. So 2015, uh, yeah, it was a big year for us because we, we put out an album called I Will Let You Have Your Say. And it started with, uh, it started with us, you know, here, it started with a Springsteen connection. Okay. Because, Eric, because Eric Church had put out a song called Springsteen, right? Yes. Remember that? So that, that's, that's 2014. And, uh, and the boss heard it and sent him, a, sent him a letter on the back of a set list. Eric Church spoke about that. So, I think I saw that article and I thought, wow, I wonder if anyone's ever done that for you too. So I ended up writing a song about you two called Alison Stewart. And basically to cut a long story short, it led to a, it led to an album full of songs 
named after people, some of them famous, some of them not famous, but just who deserve to be. Uh, and we put it out as really, I suppose, a kind of a memoir of people who had influenced us and, mm-hmm. you know, inspired us over the years. Uh, and Springsteen's in there because of Eric Church. We couldn't do that, you know, because he'd already done it. Right. But he's in there in the middle of a song called Paul McLean, where we talk about the, you know, talk about Springsteen and the way that he finds to, you know, heal our hearts and things like that. So I don't want any Springsteen fans to think that we neglected the boss. He's right in there. Yes. In important song. But Aaron Sorkin, yeah, uh, it's a song about finding America and finding the real America. And we always said that, are we, what, what, what we kind of think is that Aaron Sorkin, through his writing, he's, he's pointing to the real America. He's pointing to that, that, that bit of America that appeals to our hopes and our dreams and uh, setting everything aright to the, the bit that's at the, the goodness that's at the heart of the country, even though it's at, at, at metaphorical, at least war and political war with itself all the time. There's a bit in the heart of America that is just pure goodness and dreams and hopes. And nowhere is that more exemplified than in the writing of the West Wing. Yes, so, I agree. Uh, there was a time in my life, Jesse, where I used to watch the West Wing every night, you know, mm-hmm. a little bit every night for years. And it helped my heart, you know, it, it kind of helped settle my, my world. It was good for my mental health. Yeah. So when we had a song about finding America, uh, it just felt right to call it after Aaron Sorkin. And uh, again, with all of that, there's no ulterior motive. We just put that stuff out. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's a kind of, just a little thank you to, to yeah. people that have made their lives better. But well so, done for no. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to send you a link. Um, I had a lady on the show, um, Steph Anderson. And she is, uh, she does a, um, a Harry Potter uh, kind of punk band called Tonks and the Oriers. Right. Um, she <laughs> calls it Wizard Rock, but she wrote a CD called uh, Bartlett for America, oh. which was uh, a, a CD, a little mini EP of, she did it in 2012, of songs all inspired by West Wing. So oh, I will send you a link so that you can check it out because it would, was it it was just so lovely, uh, and so when I had her on the podcast, we got to talk a little West Wing and uh, did I uh, during the pandemic, I did a complete West Wing rewatch. I started at season one, went all the way through seven because I needed joy in my life, right? I, oh. I and so I just needed that so much. So yeah, yeah that's well, great. Well, I'm so glad that I'm so glad that we connect in that way as well yeah. because the, the West Wing is a huge part of of our, our lives as a band. You know, yes. just you know, there are the other guys. It's a, it's a huge. It's 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 almost so it's, it's it's almost as influential as Springsteen and U2. It's part of our panoply of just part of who we are. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll always be grateful for 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 Aaron Sorkin's genius for that yeah. light and. Uh, Everything else he's done since is also obviously yeah. marvelous too, you know. Yeah, yeah. I uh, yeah, we we over um, the holidays, like for New Year's Day, like New Year's Eve, we just uh, we didn't do anything big, and so we ended up watching the Ricardos, you know, his new movie, and just yeah. was just loved it. So yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, 
that uh, yeah, that that would be that's that's a great connection. Um, so what what are plans? What's the what's the band's plans going forward? What what do you guys uh, have anything in the mix that you're working on? Yeah, there's a there's a ton of stuff going on. Uh, we're basically what last year we offered again the song sponsorship thing. So we have like 14 covers to put out this year that people have sponsored. Oh, that's including, nice. Including a few a few other Springsteen ones, which we are kind of nervous about. But so we've got a mix of U2, Springsteen, and The Alarm to put out this year, and also uh, we have a. We weren't sure whether to call it an EP or an album, but we think we might have eight originals to to put out, and I think that justifies an album. So sure, we'll I agree. A, we'll have an, an an original album round about September October, uh, called uh, well provisionally called uh, Julia fought the Battle of Jericho. So okay. that's going to be an interesting uh, bit of work, and uh, we've got for the we've, we've committed to a few shows. Uh, for the first time, we have a show in Glasgow uh, where we we put out an album during the pandemic called God Is Not A Man, which uh, we had no chance to tour or, or play to anyone. So we're going to play that album that night and enjoy that. And hopefully people will come from, you know, travel into Glasgow to see us. And then we're in Ireland for a, a few gigs in October, which we're looking forward to. So we're taking it slow in terms of getting back to traveling and, and playing live this year. There's still a wee bit of nervousness over here around COVID and it's spiking again and things like that. But we're, we're going to be out second half of the year playing uh, and that will be good. And play, yeah, play I, out, I, yeah, yeah. out music every month. Yeah, I think all of us are fighting that, you know, fear and what to do. Um, so that's that's good well open seat if uh when you're ready to promote the new cd just reach out to me jesse and we'll schedule another episode and we'll talk about it and kind of visit oh, and go no through I, i'd love to do that um are there you've kind of shared a little bit of this but are there other are there specific songs or albums of bruce's that you that mean a lot to you and your family? Yeah. Yeah. I might get emotional here, forgive me. That's okay. I, I appreciate it. Uh, the Rising is hugely important to us. Uh, it just came out at a time when we needed it. And, if, you know, we're not, you know, everyone was affected by 9-11, but I'm not, I don't yeah. mean that. Just that. We were in a, a situation at that point where we just needed hope, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, back in 2001, 2002, and uh, yeah, so that that album, that particular particular song, actually coincided with the resurrection of our little band for a while because we'd we'd kind of we we're moving from one incarnation to another over kind of eighteen month period, and I remember the first show that we came back, we played the rising the track just before we went on stage. And it just felt symbolic that we were coming back to life as musicians and as you know people to some extent. And then the other, the other one. I mean, everything's important. I mean, sure. to run it, but, but I mean, it's, how did you know? Yeah, you know how. But wrecking ball as a track is uh, important to me and my daughter because of that night in Glasgow when it just hit us like a ton of bricks. You know. Uh, 
tonight all the dead are here. You know, it's like the older you get, the more people you lose, and you want to live up to their. To, you want to live up to them. That's kind of how I feel about Wrecking Ball when I hear that line. I think, God help me live up to. You know the beauty yeah. and the the wonderfulness that, that 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 was those friends that I've lost. So, yeah. So that's what I'll say here. Yeah, those two tracks at the moment uh, are the ones that come to mind. But 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 hey, I've been listening to a lot of Johnny Ninety Nine recently. You know, yeah. So like, uh, incredible, incredible songbook. Yeah, I um. I'm looking at the set list for that night and just, it does seem like a great show. You guys got Jolie Blanc, which is one of my wishes. I, yeah. I, I grew up in Louisiana and so I've never seen that live and I would love to do that. Um, yeah. And so, so many great songs on there. Do um, what do you think if we get a tour and when we get another tour, I'll be positive. What do you have a theory on what do you think he's going to uh <clears throat> is he going to do kind of a is he going to focus on letter to you do you think he'll do more of a general tour what what do you think we're going to get i think yeah who knows it'll be brilliant whatever he does yeah. but he'll, he'll start with ghosts that's how the, the yeah this start you know the drums will just start and let's go you know that'll be yes i mean that's yeah that's, i will be crying when I'm in that stadium, when I'm in that arena, wherever it is, and they, I see the band coming out, tears will start. And then when I hear, I hear the sound of your guitar, I'm just going uh, to lose it. I, yeah. I just know I will. Yeah, me too. Me too. Me yeah. too. Yeah. I think. Yeah, I think he'll do a letter to you thing. I yeah. think it'll be. I think it'll be. He'll play. He'll play as much of that as he thinks is can translate live, and he'll then he'll just play whatever he wants to play. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's okay with me. That's good. Um, all right. Any, uh, any final thoughts before we get to the Mary question? Uh, no, just gratefulness. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Oh, good. Yes, I'm glad. Know, I'm grateful to have made your friendship, my friend, and thank you thank for you. Your, kind, your kindness and courtesy to, to me and to my, my band. Well, I am, I am thrilled to be here. And I'm thrilled to uh, gotten to meet you as well. Um, you know, um, it, it just, I, the reason I do this is making friends, you know, and I just love that we idea that we get this. So no problem. Yeah. All right. If you are yeah. a fan of December and you're listening to this podcast, thank you so much uh, for checking this out. Uh, we do this I have episodes come out twice a week. And so please check out some of the other episodes where I talk to Springsteen fans from around the world. I end every episode with the Mary question. Jay Armstrong is a retired honors English teacher, has a new book out, Bedtime Stories for the Living. But when he was teaching, he would spend two days in his honors English class breaking apart Thunder Road. They would look at all the lyrics. They would look at the imagery Bruce uses. They would talk about Robert Frost, The Road Not Taken. And at the end of the two days, he would ask his class, does Mary get in the car at the end of Thunder Road? So, Scott, that is your question. Does Mary get in the car? Mary gets in the car. Yeah. Although much of the 
lyric is suggestive that she will be too scared to get in the car. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, and although much of the lyric is suggestive that she is too flirtatious to get into the car, uh, the song doesn't just communicate through the lyric, it, commutes, it communicates through <laughs> the melancholy and the joy of the yes. music, which is infused with hope. Uh, so I think the song is all about hope. And then I think, because I was thinking about this just before I came on, what else can we look to 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 interpret this at this point? Well, you look, you you need to look to the song in its context on the album. What follows next? Tenth Avenue Freeze Out follows next. It just it, it goes from melancholy joy to pure joy. Right. right after. So I take a wee bit of hope from that, that Mary had got in. Uh, and then a few songs later, you've got Born to Run. So she's called something different, Born to Run. But, you know, she's in the car. So that's my answer. I commit to it. <laughs> Very nice. I like that answer. I like that answer a lot. Scott, if someone wants to reach you, how can they? Uh, we are Till December on Twitter. We are December 1985 on Facebook, and we are, I think we're December 1985 on Instagram. So, and the, the website, of course, we have a website, decemberband.com. So feel free to reach out. We'll be glad to, to talk to you. All right. Sounds great. Um, this has been a blast. Thank you so much. I'm looking forward to the new album. Uh, like I said, reach out to me this fall when it's ready to promote. I'll have you back on. We'll talk about it. We'll tell some stories. Um, go, guys, uh, go listen to the amazing cover of No Surrender. And there, I will have a link in the show of where you can throw a few coins toward relief. Uh, it is good. As Bruce talks about, these are people on the front lines taking care of people. And that's what this... Uh, charity does so we want to give them as much love and support as we can there's a lot of scariness going on in the world right now there's a lot of uncertainty and uh every little bit helps you know we we need to do you know i i end every episode with uh since the pandemic go get vaccinated go get boosted uh and let's be kind to each other because that's the only way we're going to get through this and i think during this uh very scary time for our friends in europe especially ukraine um you know let's let's do what we can to help absolutely absolutely all right thank you so much thank Thank you you scott thank you listeners we'll talk to you soon goodbye like soldiers
This podcast would not be possible without my wonderful group of patrons. I want to send a special thanks to John Munson, Mary Thomas, Terry Smith, Dale Hosick, Andrew Goddard, Stephen Malio, Alex Samada, Anna Lynn, Chris Bloom, Holly Mack, and Captain America, a.k.a. Steve Rogers. Thank you guys for supporting the podcast. Your support means the world to me. And you are forever in my heart. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, said Listing Bruce. The theme for Set Lessing Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.